0: What's up, everybody? Iced to see you again. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, just Leo.
1: Just being cool.
0: And Ryan, the temp, and his temperature, and his temperature (laughs) is iced. (laughs) And...
2: What's happening?
0: That's it for today. Jenny has left us cold. Once again, after saying she was going to join us again this week, she decided to leave us out in the cold.
1: Wait, but like, but there's actual like female like performances in this movie. Why I've, did she leave? Why?
0: I have no idea. I don't think she, she it's a female performance that she res- respects, so she doesn't want to talk about it. And if you guys haven't figured it out by our ice puns yet, today we are looking at one of the greatest guilty pleasures of all time: Batman and Robin. We this have. is
1: your guilty pleasure. This, this is, my guilty. is your number one. I'm, I'm watching this because I was forced to because of our fans.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, this has this was not even my choice. This was a reader's and listener's choice. Six movies went up on a poll, and Batman and Robin beat Rocky Four in the finals. And it didn't even beat it. It dominated it. As a matter of fact, Jenny was very sure that Rocky IV was going to win. And she was like, yeah, Rocky Four is going to be Batman and Robin. And as the day progressed, and Batman and Robin kept winning. And the league kept increasing, increasing, and it turned out to be dominating win by Batman and Robin. She was like, "I don't want to be on anymore. I'm done. I got, (laughs) I got nothing to."
1: Quarantine has made America into vicious psychopaths that enjoy pain and wanting us to rewatch this.
0: Oh, this wasn't painful at all. This is not at all. This is actually one of the best experiences I've had throughout this entire quarantine. Taking the notes for this for this podcast was wonderful absolutely <laughs> wonderful but we'll get into that in a little bit first thing we're actually going to kick off with the bat and some news on the upcoming batman film that will make everyone happy this version of the batman will not be an origin story oh, good so <laughs> in a quote from Matt Reeves director Matt Reeves said i wanted to do not an origin tale but a tale that would still acknowledge his origins in that it formed who he is like this guy he's majorly struggling and this is how he's he's trying to rise above that struggle but that doesn't mean that he is even fully understands you know who he is yet it's that whole idea of the shadow self and what's driving you and how much of that you incorporate and how much of it you're doing that you're unaware of so i know you're sad brian but we're not gonna see Martha get no killed Martha. again. No pearls, no pearls, and no Thomas. So we'll we'll have to go back and watch the other six times it happened on screen.
1: <laughs> somewhere somewhere Christian is
0: smiling. <laughs> and if I don't think Christian ever wants to see Pearls again in his life after seeing that so many times on screen um so that's the bit of batman use nothing else production is obviously with everything going on production is halted on the on the film so i expect it not to be june of 2021 it wouldn't shock me if we get a november 2021 release on the batman uh next thing up obi-wan kenobi series is back in pre-production but it is now being moved to 2022
1: as long as it gets made i don't care yeah I, i'm <laughs> the
0: same way i mean i i got a text from my cousin when he um when he read the article that i posted and he's like he's like yo isn't this supposed to be next year and i'm like yeah but there's it, it stopped production i mean there was issues with 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 uh create, creative differences so i'm glad we're getting it but we are getting the series no one asked for we're still getting the Cassius andor series next year i i love rogue one and i think rogue one is aged really well for me since it came out a few years ago. I, I still don't know how I feel about this series. I really... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch. I think we all are. So... Yeah. I, just, I mean,
1: like, I, think, I think Mandalorian was surprisingly, like, incredibly strong from a character that none of us really knew anything about. So, I guess it, you got to have some faith,
0: right? It's funny. Disney. It's Disney. It's I mean, we are actually realists and we actually have good taste so we don't blame disney for anything with star wars on this on this show um the fact that disney's not gonna let star wars go into a i don't think they're gonna release any negative bad content regarding star wars for a while i think now that we got through the skywalker saga they can start original stories and look how great the mandalorian was so you know you got i'll give disney some we'll give disney uh
2: some breathing room. Some
0: breathing room here, especially since they take care of their babies really well with Marvel and Star Wars. So next thing up is more of a rumor, but I wanted to touch on it anyway. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in talks to work with WWE for a Ric Flair biopic.
2: That's so dope.
0: And if this movie is now rated R or NC-17, I don't want say it. I want nothing to do with it. Anyone that watches, <laughs> or any of our listeners that watches professional wrestling or has ever watched wrestling, knows who Ric Flair is. Even my lovely wife Jen knows who Ric Flair is. She was actually shy when she met Ric Flair. It was actually pr- pretty hilarious to see. Um, who, here's the, the only question I want to bring to you guys: Who plays Ric Flair? It's tough, right? I mean, because uh, I Chris just have Flair play Flair. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is playing. Hulk Hogan in the Todd Phillips biopic. So, I don't know. Bradley Cooper? I guess. Rick Flair's tough. Rick Flair's top. Ric Flair, tough he he's, has, hair. Rick Flair looks, has looked 45 years old for since he was like 20. And then when he turned 60 is when he just like aged incredibly badly. I don't know. I think Bradley Cooper, you said Chris Evans? Yeah. I mean, he has the body. But that's another thing. Ric Flair never had a Chris Evans body. He was always, you know, he Kinda. he had like yeah. the flabby muscle. And none of these guys have flabby muscle, especially Chris Evans. So I don't know. I guess the time will tell if, if it even happens. The fact that it's a WWE film worries me that it'll, it won't be rated R. True. But maybe the Rock the Rock has his say, and maybe we'll get we'll you know that really deep dive into Flair's marriages, his drinking. Oh, it could be a great movie if we actually do it right. So
2: that's I all. Mean, the, they did a good job with Paige, so I think that is true. A good job here. That's
0: a, that's true. All right, so that's pretty much all the news for this week. There really, with everything going on, there really hasn't been anything uh, news noteworthy uh, over the past few days. So let's. Go into quarantine and watch. What are some of the highlights from this week for you guys? Ryan, take it off if you have anything.
2: Um, uh, I've been doing a binge on Sopranos like we talked about, mm-hmm. and I watched uh, Onward for the first time.
0: Oh, what do you think? Did you cry?
2: I didn't I ain't cry, but I enjoyed it thoroughly.
0: Same here. Same here. Well, all right, what, what do you have, Leo?
1: Uh, so I've continued my Harry Potter reading slash viewing fest with uh, with Stacy. So I'm on I think where she's reading and I'm rewatching um, the oh, my gosh, um, Order of the Phoenix.
0: All right. Awesome. Cause so I'll piggyback off that when you comment on The Sopranos. How are you doing so far?
1: So, as America knows, I decided to watch The Sopranos for the very first time, and I've been live tweeting with Ryan and Dave and my buddy, our buddy Kevin. So, I'm, I'm still, like, hardcore. I'm not a very big mob, mafia dude. Um, but, like, the show is so good. Yes. Um, there's a lot of characters. So, I, I still, I'm still very anti this whole, like, uh, Italian bravado, loyalty stuff. But these characters are deep. Like oh, there's yeah. a lot of deep, deep. Characters. Like I'm I'm a super big fan of of Bobby Pussy before whatever happened. Spoilers.
0: <laughs> so but, um, I'm glad just, like, I, I yeah. I'm glad that you're able. To, like 'cause because I remember when we were speaking about it off the line, and I was like, I think this is a show that. You shouldn't go into thinking it's just a cliche mob show because there's so much going on. You you put a smile on my face when you were telling me how much you love Melfi and Tony Sessions. Yes. Because that's the heart of the show. That has nothing to do with the mob. It has to do with two people just talking. Yeah. And, and that's the heart of the show. That's how I how I always felt throughout this the show's run.
1: Oh, absolutely! And kudos, kudos to the to the whole like the whole cast. Like I mean, Gandolfini by himself is amazing, but. The whole cast just like there's this aura of just realism behind this show. Like it just feels so. Like I know I know so many people that are like. This.
0: Um, and and I Rye, you can you can chime in here too. I think every time I rewatch the show, this is more a question for Rye. Every time I rewatch the show, it gets better and better, and mm-hmm. Gandolfini gets better and better and better. Do you feel the same way?
2: A hundred percent. I was actually thinking that today when I was rewatching. I'm like. Man, you catch on things they don't catch on other views. Like, this is my third, fourth time watching it, and I'm just like enamored with it. Like, I plan on spending my whole day tomorrow just watching Sopranos. I'm doing
0: the same thing. And I will give I, the best part about this first time watch for Leo is he is experiencing Janice for the first time.
2: <laughs>
0: and it feels like I'm experiencing Janice for the first time because no one, no Leo, as now that you, when you finish, you can say you're a Soprano head. Anyone you speak to that has seen the Sopranos and listeners, you can chime in on our Instagram on Tuesday if I'm wrong. No one likes Janice. No one likes Janice. And she gets worse. Where you're at now, she gets progressively worse.
1: Yeah, it's it's been unbearable. I think that's the cool part, too, is like there's, there's been characters that I've liked a lot, surprisingly. There's characters that have resonated with me. Characters that i really dislike. It's funny when when I first started watching the show, it reminded me so much of the newer Succession. Okay. If you guys have seen Succession, because Succession is a show where every single character is unlikable. And you have to go through the show where, like, there no there is no main protagonist because they're all flawed people. But it's like, but you still root for these flawed people despite that. Um and then Janice comes into the show. And, like, <laughs> there's literally nothing redeeming about her as a person as a character
0: whatsoever it nothing she's, she's her mother yeah she is and, and i think i like livia more than janice and i hated yeah. livia too
1: so again I, I was like, I hated livia i hated so many characters in this and i'm like all right I, I don't like this person i don't like this person and then janice comes out i'm like wow like she makes me like
0: the other characters she i don't think and right if I'm wrong, correct me here. I don't think you'll meet anyone the rest of the show, and that's how bad Janice is that you'll dislike more. I don't. I really don't think so.
2: I don't know. Meadow's boyfriend for me is a close second. Which one? I couldn't. The um Finn. The one in college. Finn. Finn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He's pretty. I think because he's so useless, he was so insin- insignificant to me. Sure. But you'll get there soon, Leo. I'm glad you're enjoying it, and then um going on what i watch this week i um am watching the sopranos we're we're doing this as a team here uh and i mentioned love it it's gandolfini is just incredible every time i watch it i get sad because he's not here anymore um i also am watching harry potter and that's what i wanted to chime in on what you were saying before leo i think uh every time i watch it the franchise gets better and better for me and i hadn't seen it in a while and i joked with you guys so, spoiler alert! At the end of the Harry Potter franchise, uh, Voldemort dies. But I did not realize until rewatching it this time, and I finished it up this morning, that Voldemort turns into dust, like another
1: I that. right, <laughs> like another
0: baddie from another universe that I love. When I told you guys that, I was like, "Oh shit! Marvel stole this from the Potterverse." <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you are aware that the whole snapping out of existence thing was years before Harry Potter. No, right? no,
0: it's all it's all Harry Potter. It's all Harry Potter. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, it it's just it, it's so funny that my number two and three franchise, are big baddie, die in the same way.
1: I mean, visually they look so similar;
0: it's incredible. Well, what do you mean? Oh, like the turning into dust? Yeah, it was That's extremely nice. similar. How do you how are yeah. you doing with the movies? Have they? Have they do you like them less or like them a little bit more
1: no, like, the, the, so it's funny though when when we like back like months ago when we when I like looked, when we were just doing episodes here and there about our favorite franchises yeah. and like um, we mentioned Harry Potter before
0: yeah it was my number and, three
1: um, yeah yeah and I, I think Tyler it was high on all our lists and then um, just watching the movies again like it's still, for me, like, it, it kind of keeps the same trend. Like, I am a bigger fan of when they get older versus when they're younger. Yeah. So I know a lot of people don't like Order of the Phoenix too much. Reading it or watching
0: it. That's my least favorite of the franchise is Order but, so, of the Phoenix.
1: After re-watching it and reading the book with it, like, I believe that the reason people don't like it and the reason people don't like the books either is it's it's supposed to be a very, like, slow, frustrating story. Like that's the part that's that's the part in this narrative where like the reader is getting beaten down at every turn, so to the point where,
0: you know I'm do you do? You, and I agree with you. And I guess my frustration when I saw Order of the Phoenix is that the events at the end of Goblet of Fire, Voldemort returns. Like, what's gonna happen? Yep. But the villain of the movie is not Voldemort, and per se, it's Dolores Umbridge. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this lady's. The villain and she stinks and she resembles a lot of people in America today. And
1: yeah. And, and, yeah. Like, and like hearing about the book, and the book is the same exact way. And what it gets even enhanced like everything that could possibly go wrong in Harry's life goes wrong. Gotcha. And it's like, it's like, wow, like how imagine that you just witness something incredibly crazy. No one believes you. Your friends are gone. Um, he goes back to school and, um, pretty much everyone that he was looking forward to is gone and he gets picked off a team. Like it's it's supposed to be really frustrating and I kinda see why people don't remember it as fondly, because there's not that many wins in the story. Um but then also like I still I would still pick Order of the Phoenix personally over like the Sorcerer's Stone or or maybe maybe Chamber of Secrets. But I I I still do I I like it more now. I like Order of the Phoenix more now after rewatching it. Because I understand where Story, it's
0: a I've always liked the first two because now that I know where it goes and it gets darker, I like the first two even more because they take you into that world from a kid's perspective. Yeah. And then you see Diagon Alley and you see all these areas later on in the films when they're older and it looks completely different. Not only because Voldemort's taken over, but because it's just a different eye that's looking at that area. It's a lot. It's not as wide. It's not as big. Because when you yeah. watch, when you watch *Sorcerer's Stone*, Diagon Alley looks so big. But when you watch, let's say, uh, I think they get back there in um, uh, *Half Blood Prince* or *Deathly Hallows Part One*, something along those lines, yeah. and it's a yeah, it, yeah. It, it looks a lot smaller because the eyes, you know, something that used to be big when you're a kid is not really that big when you're when you're an adult. So I do love the transition from where we are at the beginning of of Part One to where we are at Part Seven. So, yeah, and I, I I feel very strongly about this franchise. I think we would have never. I think we would have gotten an MCU, but I think the Potter success really yeah. gave Marvel the confidence that they could do this. That's why I think people people look at it. I mean, I think it's very underrated. That franchise is extremely underrated. And like I rewatched the those prequel series that they're doing, the uh, the this Fantastic Fantastic Beasts, and. I mean, it's just not the same. It, they can never get a prequel series right. I don't think it. it's very difficult to get a prequel series right. So, you know, I look at it for what it is. And then I just, one last thing I wanted to touch on Watchmen. Right? have you seen it? No, I've only seen the first episode. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil it. I will say, I say it with confidence, I think it's the best season of TV last year. And I think it's the best season of a superhero show I've ever seen. I think it's better than Daredevil season one and Daredevil season three. Those are my top. Th- those were my top two. Those two, and then Jessica Jones season one. I think it's better. I think there's so much to digest, but I can't digest because Ryan hasn't seen it. So maybe another <laughs> episode. We'll get into it. Um, I'll do it after the Sopranos watch. Th- Ryan you're gonna Raya, you're gonna love it. It'd be, yeah, what trying. I what I love about it, and, and Leo, you've seen it, is that I've never seen Lost, but you guys have, right? Mm-hmm. so i love and jenny explained it to me that damien does this like he gives you little by little by little and then everything that you saw in episode one is a completely different story by the time you get to the last episode and i thought that works so well and then this is a little spoiler i'm not going to tell you when he appears but dr manhattan is in the series right okay but when you, the episode where you meet Doctor Manhattan is one of the best episodes I've ever seen. I
1: right, Dave. It was incredible. It is
0: so so good. And then, like I've been, I've been very like full disclosure. I've been very anxious throughout this whole thing. But so there's very there's different moments that you know I was watching WrestleMania last week, and I'm like, okay, my mind's off it. But when I was watching that episode, like the, the stresses of my world right now completely went away because it was so. So so good. I can't even describe it right. When you watch it, you'll know what I'm talking about. The episode is a God walks into a bar, I like and that's, name. that's all I'll say. <laughs> when you fit when you finish it, yeah. and Regina King, my God, Regina King is so good on this show. Uh, Jeremy Irons is great. Um, I'm not going to tell you who he is because Ryan doesn't know who he is yet. So. I think when you finish, Rai, and then Leo, if you want to, and even Jenny will probably be on because she saw it. Maybe we could do a little episode just dissecting the entire series. Okay. We'll even put the movie in there. Oh, we don't need to do that. It, I will say, no, I will say this. I remember I've said on here that I, I, I like Watchmen the movie. Watching this series makes me dislike Watchmen the movie more for gotcha. how unoriginal it is. How Snyder just said, we're going to just take everything from the comic book and just make it into a movie except the squid, which is funny because if you watch the series and you watch the series as a whole, you actually show, they they show the squid in destroying, it was in New York, right, Leo? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It shows the aftermath of the squid. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, like, you actually see a scene with the squid destroying everything in New York. So, it's not a... Oh, it's too crazy. I think Snyder said that it was too crazy of an idea to put on screen. The show does it, and the show does it effectively. Just shows Snyder's a hack. So with that being said, let's go into one of the best guilty pleasures of all time. Batman and Robin. One of the the best experiences I've had watching a movie in a long time. So let's kick it off with this. I'm gonna go through some reader comments, but before we get to that, how was your first experience as bad, watching Batman and Robin? Do you remember that as a young lad watching Batman and Robin, or did you guys catch it late? Ryan, you go first.
2: I fucking loved it, even it was, as a kid. Like it, oh, as a kid, especially like because for me, that's ex- like it was marketed to me pretty much. I felt like it was perfect. It had the Bat Trinity in it, you know. It, like to me, it could. It was it was no wrong at that point when I first saw it. <laughs> and but, then I grew up, I'm like, oh, wait, never there's mind. There's a few
0: things <laughs> wrong with it. All right, what about you, Leo? Uh,
1: I remember being disappointed. I remember definitely, because like by 97, Batman, the animated series, had come out already. So the mythos of certain characters had already been pretty well established. And I remember being kind of bummed out that some of these characters were very different and not as good as the animated series made them out to be. Mm-hmm. But... Visually, this movie looks so cool. It still does.
0: <laughs> it looks really cool. It looks like I want to buy that toy set, and I think that's and that's what their goal was. That's what that's what their goal was. Um, for me, I remember watching it in theaters and loving it, and I remember this specifically that it came out on VHS, and my mom bought me the VHS tape with a wrestling ring, and I went home and I put that thing on and i was like in awe just opening my wrestling ring and watching batman and robin and i blew that tape out i remember i remember immediately even as a kid thinking it was better than batman forever like it stood it stood with me more i think i'm completely wrong on that in a way but i think i'd rather i to me like i'd rather a film be memorable in some way than forgetful because there's not much I remember that's memorable about Batman Forever. That's my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so that's my first. Laundry Ninja. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go through some comments from from our readers. Uh, Merck with Movie says, What we'll killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Arnold makes the movie what it is. If Poison Ivy was the only villain, that would have just been a downright terrible movie instead of an enjoyable, guilty pleasure. I agree 100%. Are you sure you didn't write that? <laughs> I didn't. It was not me. Uh, Reviews Criticas said, this is too much. I hate it so much. So I countered. I was wondering, like, where, I mean, I get why people may not like it, but I've never had, you know, I've never seen anyone say they hate it. So I asked immediately. I was like, here's a question. Do you like Batman 66? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, here I go. Then my counter argument is this. Batman and Robin is a campy, not good, ridiculously over the top. How does that differ from Batman 66? If we're, going to talk, if we're going to talk about tone, by Batman and Robin, the tone of the film was purposely campy, such as 66. I don't think 66 is, 66 is good uh, in any way the way I don't think Batman and Robin is good. But if I'm choosing a guilty pleasure and choose something to watch, I'm going to watch Batman and Robin over Batman 66. He responded, "That's a good argument. I found those actual arcs purposeful by nature of the character arcs to be cheesily compelling. For me, I, 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 mean, I just countered with the only thing I think Batman sixty six ever tried to push an arc is for the guy at the end to say same bad time, same bad channel. I don't really think there was ever a real story progression on that entire series." Hey,
1: question for you though. You mentioned that, and granted, like, yeah, I this, this movie is on the guilty pleasure side of things, you mentioned you've never met anyone that's hated it. You have seen the Rotten Tomato score for
0: this movie, right? Yeah, I have. And I, that's in my notes for later, but I've never met anyone that... They all say it's bad, but I don't I don't hear anyone that say they hate it. I think they just said it's a very bad movie. But then when I throw my argument with, at them, it's, it, I mean, things have changed a lot since 1997, I think, for this movie. But... I think we all agree it's not a good movie, right? Yeah. Got it. I mean, I, I mean, if you guys think it's a good movie, that's you know we're gonna get we're gonna get into that debate. But that's kind of where I'm at with with that. All right, so it's a good
2: movie, not a good film.
0: No, it's not a good movie, right? It's not a good movie at all. It's good escapism. Yeah, that that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Production of the film. With the box office success of Batman Forever in June 1995, Warner Bros. immediately commissioned a sequel. They hired they, Joel Schumacher and Akiva Goldsman to reprise their duties as director and screenwriter. The following August, and decided that it was best to fast-track production for a June 1997 release. Which, if you remember at the time, Batman movies were three years apart, similar to Star Wars. You had '89 then Batman Returns in 92, then Batman Forever in 1995. So they were usually three years apart. Um, The storyline of Batman and Robin was conceived by Schumacher and Goldman during pre-production of A Time to Kill. Uh, (laughs) Leo's going to love this. Porsche's of Mr. Freeze's backstory was based on Batman, the animated series, Heart of Ice. Yep. And while I agree... (laughs) I don't think there's very much heart of ice in this movie outside of a few things.
1: <laughs> yeah, not at all. They, they, they took, they took Nora's name. That's pretty much all they did. No,
0: there is one more thing. And I do have that in my notes that that's about it. Um, while Chris O'Donnell reprises the role of Robin, Val Kilmer decided not to reprise the role of Batman for, uh, uh, from Batman forever because him and Joe Schumacher did not get along on the set of Batman forever. So he decided to go on work on a other, another trash movie, Island of Dr. Moreau, because Marlon Brando was in the cast. And if you guys have not seen that movie, don't watch it. It is absolutely terrible. Um. So I wish Jenny was on so she can shit on this. Joel Schumacher originally had a strong interest in casting William Baldwin in Val Kilmer's place, but went with George, George Clooney instead. Uh, Schumacher believed that Clooney could provide a lighter interpretation of the character that Michael Keaton and Kilmer portrayed in the other uh, three films. So in terms of Mr. Freeze, Patrick Stewart was also considered to play Mr. Freeze.
2: I can't see it at all.
1: Wild.
0: Not at all, right? Uh, Schwarzenegger was uh, eventually hired, and he was paid $25 million for the role. So that's... Oh, that's that. The original start date was August 1996. Principal photography did not begin until September 1996, and the film ultimately was released on schedule in June of 1997. So the movie cost between $125 million, but they spent $160 million on marketing. The studio also reportedly included toy companies in pre-production meetings of the film, including the design and concept art and character illustrations of the movie. Uh, Schumacher criticized Warner Bros. Strategy for Batman and Robin being overtly toyetic. So with
1: that Batmobile, the toy for that Batmobile.
0: It was dope. I did have it. It was dope. dope. It it did. I mean, we joke about it now. It's like there's a disco ball in the Batmobile, but like as a toy it's awesome as a toy is awesome so going back to what i was saying with that the budget between 125 to 160 million dollars it still made 238 million dollars at the box office so yeah. it's not like it was a, a box office failure it made money it, in didn't, ter- bomb. it didn't bomb it, it, it's not what they expected but it was still i think it was i i have it somewhere in my notes i believe it's top two uh, highest-grossing films for Warner Brothers of 1997. So it still was profitable. In terms of what Leo said before, it is an approval rating of 11% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: By the way, the Island of Dr. Moreau is at 24%. So Val Kilmer made the right move.
0: I, technically. Have you... I, guys, What I said don't watch it. Give it a shot. Go watch the Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Let me let me know what you guys feel after. All right, so that's the production. Let's get to the trophy room. This movie has a lot of trophies here.
1: Razzies, right?
0: It it was nominated for worst picture, worst screen couple, worst supporting actor, worst supporting actor twice, worst supporting actress, worst reckless disregard for human life and property, worst remake or sequel, worst director, worst screenplay. Worst Original Song, and Worst Supporting Actress. It only won one Razzie. Supporting Actress. So, supporting Actress for Alicia Silverstone. It did win at the Blockbuster... That's a name from the past. The Blockbuster <laughs> Entertainment Awards from 1998. It did win Favorite Actress, Uma Thurman, Favorite Supporting Actor, Chris O'Donnell, and is also nominated for Favorite Supporting Actor and Favorite Supporting Actress. And then finally, at the Stinker Bad Movie Awards from 1997, the movie won Worst Supporting Actress, Worst Picture, Worst Sense of Direction, Worst Screenplay for a film grossing more than $100 million using Hollywood math, and that closes the trophy room. So it did it did win some stuff. Not the good <laughs> stuff, but it did win some stuff. Now, for this episode, only for this episode, we will never use this again. We're going to bring this special category called the puns. I am going to go through some puns and guys, you're going to tell me what is your favorite pun of Batman or Robin. Oh. And if you guys have any, after I go through mine for, feel free to let me know. I have ice to see you. Everybody chill. You're not sending me to the cooler. I'm afraid my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Let's kick some ice. Freeze in hell, Batman. The Ice Man cometh. Allow me to break the ice. My name is Freeze. Learn it well, for it's the chilling sound of your doom. In this universe there's only one absolute. Everything freezes. Tonight hell freezes over. Cool party. And my favorite. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age.
1: Hmm. You know the funny part is that it wasn't just Arnold with a terrible pun. They all say terrible puns.
0: It's funny, this isn't a pun. But this is something that I have in my notes from the end of the movie. I just think it's hilarious when um, Mr. Freeze gives Batman the cure for McGregor syndrome, and he's like, take, take two of these and call me in the morning. That shit made me laugh. But <laughs> if you guys had to pick your favorite pun out of those, what is your favorite pun?
2: Uh those, um, what killed the dinosaurs?
0: I think, yeah, I think that's the, the, the favorite. What about you, Leo?
1: Honestly,
2: I, I'm kind of I'm kind of partial to the Iceman coming. I thought that was, <laughs> was actually. I was like, "Oh, what
1: about, you forgot Adam and Evil." Oh, yes,
0: that's a great yo, one too. I am.
1: I'm just I, just. I literally just watched this movie about like three hours ago, and I'm still groaning at these freaking puns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so good, man! It's so good. Um, before we get into our other categories, I do have some notes from the movie that I wanted to. Uh, bring up to see if you guys feel the same way i think the opening of the movie this isn't even I'll, i'm not even joking here i think outside of batman 89 i think it's the best opening of the four because it's um it starts off with the warner brothers logo and the warner brothers uh warner brothers logo freezes and then it turns to the bat signal i think it's the best one out of the uh, outside of batman 89 because batman returns we have uh we travel with the penguin in the sewer and we don't need to travel with the penguin in the sewer. And then uh, I think Batman Forever is just a generic Bat logo. So that's something I I picked up. And I think you guys may not agree with me on this. The next thing I have in my notes is that I think Elliot Goldenthal's theme is not that bad. The Bat theme.
1: No, that's my number one note here. I'm like, the score is underrated. Yeah, the score is. <laughs> yeah. extra,
0: it's not Danny Elfman. Don't get me wrong. It's not the Bat March. But it's legit good. I think it's very, very good. Like I have it, I have it playing. Like, and you guys heard it at the opening of the podcast. Like it, we had it uh, playing there. I have it on my playlist. I legit love the score of the movie. It's and the and the theme, the bat theme itself, it's pretty pretty dope. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, I agree. I definitely, I I totally agree with you. Uh, like, as a, as a fellow like score theme aficionado,
2: I thousand percent agree with you. Awesome,
0: the theme is dope. What about you, Ryan? You like it too or not too much?
2: Yeah, no, I it was in my nose for uh one section I'll get to later, but Good. definitely love the theme.
0: Good. I'm glad we're all in agreement here. This is in 1997, I I should have thought better, but when Robin at the beginning of the movie says, "I want a car, Chicks dig the car," and Batman says, "This is why Superman works alone," I'm like, "Are they going to start a universe right now? Are we are is this the, is DC doing it right now? Are we going to get Batman and Superman together in a movie?" I, I
2: marked when I was a kid when I heard that, though. I'm not going to lie.
0: Same yeah. here. Um, the disco ball in the Batmobile, we've talked about that before. I also noticed there was a lot of wide streets in this movie. Yes. Like, a lot of wide streets. Let's see what else. This How do I ho- you
2: feel about the feel of Gotham in this one?
0: How Do I have you feel up, Gotham? I mean, it feels like Gotham, if it was in a comic book, like, over. I don't know. It it doesn't feel like the dark it feels like a Batman comic from the sixties. B- before they went back dark with Dark Knight returns. I don't I don't know. I mean it's fine. For what they were trying to think, do, it's fine.
1: I think the Gotham had some hints of Burton, definitely animated series influence. Yeah. I like I actually like the Gotham.
0: Yeah. I mean knowing what they were doing, I think it's fine. I don't I don't really have a problem with it. Um let me see. What else do I have here? I hope you guys notice this because every time I watch this movie, I chuckle with it's so hilarious. When Robin at the beginning of the movie goes through the wall, do you guys peep that he goes through the wall and it turns into a Robin logo? Yes.
2: Oh, no, I ain't peeped that. Oh,
0: next time you watch it, it's so hilarious because he just goes straight to the wall. But in going through the wall, it turns into a Robin logo. It's it's pretty hilarious. Uh, I also want to know why, when Batman and Robin decided, you know what we need to add to our boots, skates? Oh, <laughs> my gosh, yes. I, I need to know. I want to know. I also want to know when surfing in midair became a thing. I need to know when that became a thing. Uh, another note that I have here is Super super Soldier Serum, MCU, MCU called. It wants its intellectual property back
1: literally yeah i had that in my notes too it's it, the origin for bane is exactly the same as captain america
0: yeah i'm like i i, I had a i rewild and i was like wait a minute did he just say super soldier serum uh the next thing of uh, is that fidel castro because that looks like fidel castro the people that were buying the serum um the birth of poison ivy i have here what is it with this batman universe and their origin stories for women Catwoman gets bitten by cats and she becomes Catwoman. Yep. And then poison ivy, what does happen to her? Can you guys explain to me what I, she just? Fall- um,
2: no, I think the chemicals fall on top of her, poisoning her skin, and then she also falls into the ground into a grave and have everything collapse on her. Sure. Yeah. That sounds.
1: Yeah, they, l- on, on, on my notes, I put that her origin story is like the writing got so lazy. The origin story of her is she's a female Edward Enigma that became Catwoman.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's that's actually yeah. really good, that's a good comparison. Um Christmas Christmas tunes of Mr. Freeze, I guess we can we can enjoy that. That's one of the parts I didn't like of of with Mr. Freeze is all the Christmas the Christmas music. Fun fact do you guys know that those actors that in that scene, if you guys know what scene I'm talking about, that sang did not get sag cards from that movie. Because what? they did not use any dialogue. if you see they were humming, they were never singing.
1: That's not even fair yeah,
0: just just a fun fact that I saw there uh, Mr. Freeze smoking a frozen cigar and it's still lit. okay <laughs> Barbara Gordon oh no I'm sorry Barbara Pennyworth is not British yeah. and she lives in Britain. Why is she not you know you know speaking with the accent? Let's see. Oh, George Clooney's turtlenecks in this movie. I feel like the turtlenecks are eating him because of how skinny his head is and how high those turtlenecks are. More on George Clooney later. Uh, The gala. I feel like there's more people at the gala than any of the events of Batman of 89 and Batman Returns when they're in Gotham Square. Uh, In 1997, not awful CGI. Just my two cents on that. The CGI was not as abysmal as, like, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which came out, like, a year or two later.
1: Absolutely agree.
2: Yes. Agreed.
0: Coolio. I just, my notes just said, oh, shit, it's fucking Coolio. That's all I have. Wait, wait, you you didn't didn't mention mention Vivica Fox? I got nothing to say about Vivica Fox in this movie. Do you guys have any comments on that? No, it
1: was, like, the same similar reaction to Coolio.
0: I'm like, wait, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I always forget that Coolio's in this movie. Totally, yeah. Vivica Fox I do remember all the time. I always forget that Coolio's in it. Uh, oh shit, rubber lips. That's another note I posted. I I wrote down. Oh, I hated this race as much as I hate the Pod race since episode one, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Dave,
1: really? would you say Coolio and the bike racing was a precursor to ludicrous in Fast and the Furious franchise?
0: Yes. <laughs> and the Fast and the Furious franchise, I I'd I'd rather watch Batman and Robin than watch <laughs> the entire Fast and the Furious franchise. All right. Ne- next thing here is more of a nitpick, but Jenny's the one that when when we saw it last year, Jenny's the one that brought it to my attention and I didn't even notice. Bat Batwoman or Batgirl has two outfits in a span of ten minutes. When did Alfred have the time to make two different outfits they all
2: have different outfits they all go silver and yeah that's
0: that's fine but that's Batman and Robin and I believe that they probably have those on stock from like let's say an emergency set this chick just became Batwoman like 15 minutes ago and she has that silver platinum suit too and even more egregious she has a cowl right when they're riding in on the bikes on those wide streets if you remember she takes the cowl off like five minutes later and just throws it away I was like, okay, whatever. What a waste of money. Uh next next up, I have two more here. Why did they let Mr. Freeze in the jail cell in his suit? After that yes. I was Dude. like, okay. <laughs> it's
1: 1997. I've had that question. It like, makes no sense. He can easily escape if he has his suit. I don't understand
0: this. Yeah. And then he says winter is coming. Did Game of Thrones really steal this from Batman and Robin? Question mark. They did. <laughs> Uh, and like i and then pretty much last note that i have here before we get into our categories what a great movie p.s michael Ghost, still my favorite alfred all right so let's get into these categories my friends let's start with what's age best and ryan kick us off
2: age best i have i went with the camp and the score yep they've both aged so well mm-hmm. i think in especially in where everything has to be dark to have this camp is a little bit fun you know what i mean like yeah we have guardians and we have so many other things but this was just pure camp for the sake of camp yeah i agree and like we talked about earlier the score it's just so great i remember i think it was actually in the scene where they're all in the vehicle setting to the observatory and i'm like wow this score really does kick ass so
0: (laughs) absolutely what about you leo what do you have
1: Actually, so it's funny, I, when I went into this, Dave, like I said, like ever since hearing your argument about how if you like 66, you should also like this, I went into this completely looking at it a different way. So I gave it a fair chance, and I did find a few things that were good about this movie. Um, so aged well the score, I agree with both of you, totally agree. Um, I love the awesome text. I think as far as Batman's tech is concerned, I like the tech in this one, too. Okay. Some of it didn't make sense, like the ice skates, but the tech just <laughs> looked really cool. Um The Batmobile, uh the suit's aesthetic, I think, looked cool. I think Robin's suit looked pretty cool. Um Batman's suit and the silver suits I loved when I was a kid. When I saw them in, that, in the third act with the silver suits, I love them all. Um The Bruce-Alfred relationship aged really well.
0: Yep, I like that as uh, well.
1: I like the um the Batgirl versus Ivy and like the rift, the talking about female empowerment, that ate really well. That's
0: Jenny's favorite part.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's true like that. I was like significantly. I'm like, oh wow, that's like really ahead of its time because even now we're having issues with this. It's funny you um, say
0: that, but then Bat Woman, Batgirl is wearing heels.
1: Yeah, no, the the, the movie definitely has its own opportunities, but like calling itself out like that and then mentioning things that were like bigger society issues i'm like okay yep. i give it some, some female female lead even though uma thurman wasn't very good as a she is the lead villain like she manipulates freeze but she's the top dog in this one and that's pretty unheard of
0: yep at the, uh, especially but, at the time
1: yeah um uh the ridiculous fashion by the gangs in the race <laughs> that's, that's what america's youth dresses like today so that, that is, is true that is true uh, when uh, when Barbara trying to hack into the computer the fact that people still use terrible passwords is paid very well <laughs> yeah like
0: by the way i don't i don't have it in my age worse but we can just throw it in there right now um after like the 10th try she would have been locked out <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> not only that but if you notice the voice like you know the voice of the computer it goes from normal Access denied. Access denied to like a sex worker. Access granted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, all right. So, what's age best for me? I I said about. I mentioned it before. and You guys mentioned it too. The score is pretty pretty damn great. Mister um, Freeze's puns have aged beautifully, and I just think the overall overall reputation of the film as a beloved guilty pleasure. I think that's made the film age really decently. Um age worse. And I hope you guys have this too, but if not, all right, cool. The fact that Robin is 75 years old really bothers me. So, here's my thing. I'll I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in Batman and in Batman Forever. All right, we're gonna make him his ward. Let's just say he's seventeen. Chris O'Donnell's like fifty at the time. Well, let, let's say he's seventeen. Cool. By Batman and Robin, which takes place two years later, he should be on his own. Why is he still living? Why is he still a ward?
2: Uh, I, free eats.
0: Yeah, it must be. And the free <laughs> motorcycles. I I never I never got even as a kid reading Batman comics. I was like, huh. Robin's a little bit older in this movie. Like he's a man. Like he has a really deep voice and everything. I never I never got that casting, so it is what it is. Uh, age Wars two, Poison Ivy and Uma Therma's performance. I, I think I don't think she's very good at all. I don't think there's anything about her performance that's good. She's pretty damn bad. And that's what I have. What do you guys have, Ry? Right?
2: Uh the race itself. And I actually also did still put the camp because it's still
0: so damn campy.
2: <laughs> um, Batgirl and Batgirl not being related to Gordon or actually being British at least.
0: Okay. As we so said. Yeah. Was... What about you, Leo? What do you have?
1: I was gentle. Trust me, right? I'm not a fan of this movie, but... Um... No, I put the puns. I, I hate the puns. I still you hate still puns. hate the puns, Leo. Yes. Leo. Um, I think uh, the jokes are terrible. Like this movie is still uh, it's still yeah. It, either way, either way, um the the gratuitous butt shots, both male and female, yeah. didn't age too well.
0: That didn't age well at all.
1: And um actually, this one was a pretty cool one. Um they 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 throw some shade at fanaticism about the environment. Um yeah, they which do, which is something that now to bite us in the
0: ass. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are you, are you, if I remember correctly, you're talking about especially the scene where Ivy shows up at Gotham and they're pretty much shitting on her ideas about saving the environment?
1: Exactly, exactly <laughs> it, yeah. Um, but aside from that, um, yeah, visually, I think it aged really, really well. Um, the, I think the, this movie at its core, like, the, like you keep saying it over and over. What it was supposed to be is what this is. Now, whether or not I expect it to be something different, that's on me. But I can't hold it accountable to my expectations. Like, this was supposed to be campy, and it did a really good job of being campy. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, as far as H. poorly, I just have those things, but that's, that's really just it.
0: All right. Let's move on to that guy from award. I think we all have the same person. I hope we do. So my that guy from award for Babin and Robin is Pat Hingle, Commissioner Gordon.
2: Oh uh, No, mine's different.
0: Oh, wow. All right, cool. That's that's great that we all have different ones here then. Um so yeah, every time I watch anything with him, I think he's on episodes of Jenny's favorite show Murder She Wrote, and every time he's on, I'm like, "Oh shit, it's Commissioner Gordon." I don't I don't know honestly anything else that he'd been in that's as popular as Batman or Robin. So yeah, that's that's definitely my that guy from reward. Or right, who do you have, Rye?
2: I have Crystal Donald.
0: Really? Like-
2: yeah, he's the only thing I really, like—I know he's in Hawaii 5-0, but the minute he got cast, and like, oh, it's Robin. Like for me, it's Robin.
0: That's interesting because I know. Well, I know him from Santa of a Woman* too. That's why I could not—I couldn't put him uh, as that as, that guy from. What about you, Leo?
1: I mean, I still kind of. So it's funny because Commissioner Gordon and Michael Gould are both the same. Like, we both saw them in Batman One in '89. You see them now, like they're like the constants. Yeah. So you, I mean, to put one without the other is like what uh, it's a little like, uh, but actually, I, so I, I actually went, uh, I went a whole different way. I literally caught myself saying, Wait, I know that guy from uh, when I saw the movie, and it was John Glover as this crazy scientist. And I'm like, I know him from Smallville. That's Lionel Luther.
0: <laughs> oh, that doesn't count. <laughs> but that's, um, obviously, I saw Batman and Robin before Smallville. Yeah. But when I saw Smallville, I was like, "Oh, look! It's the guy from Batman and Robin too." So I guess you can you you would be able to use him for both ways. Um, awesome. There's no crying in baseball. Anyone cry here? No, not me.
2: No, I got like I felt the emotion, but <laughs>
0: that's what about, about it. What about you, Leo? Any tears come from you here?
1: Um, it was tears of happiness when the movie ended, but
0: other than... <laughs> <laughs> no, I never. Like it... i I'm never. am I think tears of sadness for an ending.
1: <laughs> no like, but there were there was there was some heartfelt moments when bruce and alfred are talking and bruce tells him that he loves them and um and even when alfred recovers there's like some like pseudo happiness
0: we're, no. we're gonna need a bigger cave <laughs> god god Detlef shrimp six man of the film award the best support we
1: all better have the same person in this one
0: um so i'll let you guys go first who do you have
1: i have alfred oh yeah. interesting nope. No doubt. Michael goals. Alfred. Definitely.
0: So I have George Clooney's head Bob <laughs> because that beautiful head Bob of his is such a great supporting player to his performance that it could not be ignored. It is all over the place. Anytime that man speaks, that head is bobbing. And I think Leo, what did you say? You'll never look at him the same again or something along those lines. That
1: you mentioning that has made me re like I, I can never watch any George Clooney performance the same. It's ever not,
0: again. it's not as bad now. Trust me, it is not. I actually saw something recent from him and it's not that bad anymore, but it is so noticeable in that movie. I've never seen ER, so I wonder if he had the head bob in ER because think, shit, yeah. that is pretty, pretty, pretty intense. Uh, but I guess if you really do had to do, if I really had to choose a a performance, I would obviously go with Michael Go as well.
1: Yeah, he's the heart of this movie. Like he mm-hmm. is the heart of the movie.
0: Peaks and valleys. So, peaks. I think I'm. I went with Alicia Silverstone because oh, I think after yeah. Batman and Robin, I think that's it. I never heard from her again.
2: I went with Crystal Donald again.
0: Yeah, because she had Clueless in '95, and then Batman and Robin in '97. I really don't remember anything from her after ni- after 1997.
1: Yeah, so like actually I went right with both of you guys. I went Alicia and Chris O'Donnell. And I, it's funny because on both their Wikipedias, they both call out that this movie ruined their careers. <laughs> <laughs> but but the only difference is Chris O'Donnell's career was able to have a bit of a renaissance through his T V work.
0: Yeah, I, I know, because Chris O'Donnell has a lot of T V work now. So that's why he it was it was between those two. But then I'm like, I think he's on a big I don't really watch too much T V shows, but I think he's on a big network show or something along those lines that's why i didn't go with him
1: but yeah yeah, but this movie definitely yeah it had a had a significant impact on both of them
0: afterwards and i think peak, we all have the same person right it's george Uh, i mean val i mean valley we have the same person it's george clooney right yeah Yeah. okay just making sure i don't think there's i don't think this one was a, a too hard of a decision there all right last category before we get into our fun facts the Becky O'Shea Icebox MVP of the Film Award. I have Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's
1: so fitting that the award is the Icebox Award right now. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Um, Despite you hating the the, the puns, Leo, I think his performance, everything about him in that movie is so fucking insanely ridiculous. For a movie that is insanely ridiculous, that he is the absolute MVP of that movie for me. There is nothing in that movie that he does that I do not love. (laughs)
1: Dave, you hit it it right on the head. For me, it was like, I think like in a movie, like I feel like all the actors got told, hey, make this into a serious movie. And Arnold got a different set of instructions. Like, hey, be as ridiculous as possible. Arnold delivered head and shoulders like amazing. He was exactly what what this movie needed him to be.
0: It's crazy because eight years ago... 8 years before that you had Jack Nicholson be extremely over the top and chew the scenery and that's a great performance this is this is just oh my god this is just insane 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 and then right you had the same person right oh hell yeah yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous like how great he is in this and i guess if we had to pick someone else it'd probably be Michael Go like if we had to pick anyone else yeah alrighty so legacy of the film and then we'll get into our, our uh, fun facts because I have a lot here um, I think like I mentioned before I compared the film to Batman 66 66 at the time was meant to be a campy over the top look at Batman Batman and Robin as I mentioned in the production was meant to sell toys it accomplished its job to sell toys I think it got the negative negative response and the 11% are on tomatoes because people expected us to not us, but expected to go into a theater and see the same thing that Tim Byrne created eight years ago. But that's not what the movie was trying to be. If the movie maybe marketed itself as you got Batman 60, you got Adam West. Now you get George Clooney, blah, blah, blah. If it tried to compare itself and put it in that category, maybe it would have been a little bit better received than it, than it was. But 89 and, and returned established itself as a completely different Batverse that when we got this, you're we like, OK, maybe the Adam West camp is not dead. So that's kind of where I have the legacy that I think it's a misunderstood uh, guilty pleasure.
1: OK, hey, can I like, just no, just like, again, devil's advocate at this point, though, like. Judging by the fact that 89 Returns were darker um, and even forever had some darkness to it. Then we had Batman the Animated Series. Is it really like the fans should have expected a more serious movie? Like that—that that was the trend. The trend was something's not as lighthearted as this. So I mean, it's—it's it's not really like unheard of for people to be like, "This should be not that camp." I agree. Like, that's what, right? Because I'm like that, that, thats what we were used to. We were used to Batman away from sixty-six.
0: I agree. This was completely sixty-six. I agree. I also think. Schumacher kind of was starting to take us in this direction, because Night Forever is, is still tries to be a little dark, but it's not. You can tell there's a difference. Definitely. So, but no, I agree with you. With everything established, not only that, in the comic books, Batman is dark again. The Dark Knight Returns changed everything. So I I I totally agree with you that people were what well, that's why people should have rightly expected a more serious movie. Right, you have anything to add there?
2: No, you guys said it best.
0: Awesome. All right, let's get into our our some fun facts. I have a lot here, so you guys are just gonna enjoy these wonderful things I have discovered about Batman and Robin. All right. I
1: love, I love this part so much when we do these real facts. I, I honestly geek out with all these facts.
0: All right. <laughs> Number one, toy sales were the studio's top concern for Batman and Robin. Color me shocked. Joel Schumacher took over the director's chair and Tim from, uh, for, from Tim Burton for 1995's Batman Forever. Although the tone of the film was noticeably lighter than Burton's, the two previous entries, it was well regarded by fans and critics, but the toy sales were not relatively popular. The fate of Batman and Robin was probably sealed from the beginning when Warner Brothers uh, wanted to rush the sequel and wanted to have, like I mentioned before, the toy manufacturers in the production meeting. Because of that, Schumacher did not give us 100% into the film based on what it was meant to be. So that was that. Next up, George Clooney was cast because of problems with Val Kilmer. I mentioned before they were, there was problems on the set between Kilmer and Schumacher, and that led to what we got with George Clooney. Here you didn't know, David Duchovny and Sharon Stone were considered for roles in Batman and Robin. And, mm. da- and at that time Makes perfect sense David DeCuffney was huge With the X-Files And Sharon Stone had a great career Film career going on Now do you want to guess who David Duchovny Was considered to play
1: Well age wise I guess Robin
0: Okay and I um... know <laughs> I think he's too young um... <laughs> What about you Ryan You have anyone there
2: um I'm gonna go with uh Batman
0: yep he was made. they want Schumacher thought of him to play Batman while Sharon Stone I think you guys can guess who she was gonna play oh
1: she would have been a freaking gorgeous Ivy
0: yep that's exactly yeah. who she was gonna be she was gonna be Ivy um next up Arnold Schwarzenegger and this I didn't even realize um until I, I, I did my work on this. Schwarzenegger and Chris O'Donnell did not work together at all on the film. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aside from the main unit which filmed all the scenes with the actors, there was a lot of second and third unit work taking place simultaneously. Those units took care of things like intro shots and stunts. Chris O'Donnell, in the making of documentary on the DVD, said that he watched the film and has been unable to recall filming certain sequences that he remembers and he doesn't remember filming any scenes with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie. Yep. Yeah, I
2: don't think they ever shared the screen together.
0: I think if I mean, they did, there's cuts. Like I know in yeah. the in the observatory, or when he freezes him, like at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I or the middle of the movie, whenever that is, you can tell when he jumps at the stunt man. So yeah, I think there was a lot of cuts and edits that made it seem like they were on screen together, but they never were. Uh, next up, Alicia Silverstone was plagued by rumors about her weight on during the filming.
2: Yeah, yeah, I heard that. about that, and that's why she got rid of the mask, is because uh, it made her look chubbier in the cheeks. Yep. So yeah, that's... I, think I, I think she
1: struggled with a lot of that stuff,
2: like for a lot of her
1: career too. Like people were pretty ruthless about her weight.
0: Yeah, and it turned out she gained a small amount of weight during the shoot, requiring her costume to be refitted. As per her recent Hollywood Reporter article, a storyboard artist on the production mocked her by drawing an image of the actress struggling to get into a corset and circulating it through the art department. Damn. Oh, oh, fun. What a nice guy. Nice guy. I hope I, I hope he does not have a job anymore. Next up, George Clooney peed in the Batsuit.
1: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Even I, he knew that Batman was trash. I uh, <laughs>
0: it's pretty crazy wearing the bat suit wasn't pleasant either there were several pieces to it all of <laughs> all of which were more than a little restricting because it was so complex putting the suit on and taking it off was no easy feat any time spent removing it slowly down the filming so Clooney wasn't particularly eager to go through the process unnecessarily in interviews over the years the actor has claimed that he therefore took to urinating inside the bat suit specifically to avoid potty breaks
1: I wonder what scenes were filmed
2: with a bats
0: it it's probably why they went to that big platinum one at the end of the movie <laughs> <laughs> George this
2: one stinks too much of piss alright let's go platinum
0: <laughs> <laughs> next up we mentioned the CGI being pretty dope for 1997 it was actually one of the first films in Hollywood to use CGI for stunt work and good stuff because I, I like that a lot uh, the soundtrack's Grammy award winning song almost didn't happen do you guys know what song won the Grammy Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan had doubts as to whether he could write a song for a popcorn superhero movie. It's called The End is the Beginning is the End. Fun fact. Love that song. Do you guys know that that song was also used in the trailer for Watchmen's uh, trailer? Yes, I but, did. But it's a slow down version, which I like a lot more than this. Um, that trailer for Watchmen, by the way, is still one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Made me see, made me think I was gonna watch a Dark Knight level movie. So this is a fun fact that I didn't know either. It was the first Batman movie to receive zero Oscar nominations. Mm. Usually, that usually Batman movies were um, guaranteed for yeah for text yeah, and I think Batman eighty nine won the Oscar for production design. Next up. It was voted the number one worst movie of all time by Empire magazine. And it's it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not the worst
2: movie ever made.
0: No. It I think fan like sick is up there. Like I can I can go through a whole ton of movies. Like all the rom coms you guys love, that's probably one of the worst <laughs> movies ever made.
2: Hey, 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 don't put me it's, in that. It's, it's just him and it's Leo and Jen. Don't put me there.
0: And Next up, director Joel Schumacher has apologized for the movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that's sad.
1: I think George Clooney apologized too, didn't
0: he? He what can you repeat that, Leo? You broke up there.
1: Sorry. I think George Clooney apologized as well.
0: George Clooney, actually, George Clooney has gone to the point that he has paid people back. If they told him they saw the movie, he has actually paid them back. So I think that's how far it's gotten. So, pretty much, he (laughs) apologized. He wants to apologize to every fan that was disappointed because I think I owe them that. In a time where many filmmakers get defenses about bad reviews or poor audience response, it's refreshing to find one who fesses up to his errors. So, that was pretty cool. Alright, I have a few more to go. As of 2019, this is the first and only appearance of Batgirl in a live-action Batman feature film. So, I don't...
2: Technically, Robin
0: uh yes and robin that's a good one and robin i can't think of any live action that's even hinted well Uh, 66 well oh yeah that and i guess well it's a feature film i was actually gonna say titans but it's not a feature film so yeah that that's i would just say sick and robin well robin has 66 yeah so after
1: robin has forever too
0: though oh duh yeah so forever right Alright, after filming was completed <clears throat> Arnold Schwarzenegger had heart surgery Studios were so anxious about Ensuring Schwarzenegger in an action movie That he could not get work again until the end of Days film from 1999 Miss- Next up, Mr. Free says ice- 27 ice puns Throughout the movie That's it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah When film Next up, when filming was over, George Clooney Quipped, I think we just killed the series uh, George Clooney has called the film A waste of money however in later Interviews he called it the biggest break he Ever had since it got him into Hollywood Resulting in a successful movie career at, Later on So I mean without Batman and Robin we don't get George Clooney Because I don't I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't I don't know how big e, I guess ER was big But this was his first big 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 Movie role Yeah this is the second Batman movie in which the actor playing the main villain was built over the actor playing Batman. Do you guys know what the other Batman movie is? 89 with Nicholson. Very good. Next up, if not for the universally negative reactions to the film, two sequels were planned. Batman Unchained, a direct sequel would have had George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell reprising their roles and in, in Chris O'Donnell in the retirement home. Um... Uh, Although there were no plans for Alicia Silverstone to return. Scarecrow and Harley Quinn would have been the main villains with cameos from past villains in the series. Even That sounds I'll like give need that now. I'll give <laughs> Warners and DC credit. They knew the money in Harley Quinn back in 97 when not many did. So that, that did. Good, good for them on that. Um, next up, the film was going to take the film back to its darker roots. The other film was a Robin Nightwing spin-off with Oldano reprising his role as Dick Grayson Robin Nightwing. It is speculated if films beyond Batman Unchained were to be made, Oldano would be Nightwing rather than Robin.
2: Mm. And they kind of did the Nightwing logo-ish
0: with the Already. Robin, yeah, yeah. Uh oh, next up, according to John Glover, Joel Schumacher would sit on a crane with a megaphone and yell before each take. Remember everyone, this is a cartoon. It was hard to act because it kind of set a tone for the film.
1: That was kind of dickish. (laughs) That explains so much.
0: (laughs) Next up, it's more casting. There were three other choices for Mr. Freeze, and you guys heard one before, Patrick Stewart. The other two, Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins. What? Yes, sir. The, fun, the funny thing about Anthony Hopkins was that he was also considered to play Alfred in Batman Begins in 2005. I don't uh, know. I'm good with Michael Caine. I like my Michael Caine. So, next, next up. This one's fucking ridiculous. This is, I think this is the most ridiculous one out of all of them. The film was originally titled Batman Forever. Wait, what? Yes. The original title of Batman and Robin was Batman Forever.
1: Oh, but what would be
0: what what about batman forever here's here's the catch but it's stylized in the batman with a number 4 ever because oh. it was the fourth film in the series they suck <laughs> <laughs> however because the third film had already took the title it was retitled batman and robin which actually was the original title for batman forever which makes sense you know,
2: that's what you guys do so this one should have been nicknamed Batman and Batgirl.
0: I guess, yeah. What were you saying, Leo?
1: <laughs> oh, that makes total sense. Like I would think, I think I may have liked this movie more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, you guys are gonna love this one. Who was Joe Schumacher's third choice to play Mister Freeze? Hulk oh, Hogan.
2: Oh my God! I can I can hear it now.
0: Oh, I I. I don't know what I would have thought, brother. Nice to see you, brother. I don't know what I would have thought, brother. (laughs) This is the only, next up, this is the only film in the series where Bruce Wayne's love interest does not have a prominent role. And this includes the Dark Knight trilogy.
2: True. Yeah.
0: Because in Batman Begins, the Dark Knight, Rachel in Dark Knight Rises, I guess we count Selena and Talia. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, the, the 89 and 92. Um, also considered a flop Batman and Robin was Warner Brothers highest grossing film both domestically and worldwide for 97 so it wasn't number two it was number one and next up Joel Schumacher originally wanted Nicole Kidman to play Poison Ivy in Batman Forever but due to the fact that Kidman was eventually classed as uh, Dr. Chase Meridian leaving only Two-Face and the Riddler as the villain Schumacher decided to bring Ivy to the sequel awful this is a political fun fact one of the three movies to feature two United States governors in the same film, Jesse, yes. the body, Jesse, the body of Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger. The other mm-hmm. two films were predator and the running man. Both released in both released in 1997. All three of these movies f- featured Ventura and Schwarzenegger. I have uh, four more Bane. No one talked about Bane here, by the way. So there was, oh, there was a fam- favorite. The, what do you say, right?
2: Least favorite moment was how he got made.
0: (laughs) Um, There was a famous stuntman that was Joe Schumacher's first choice to play Bane, and I thought it would have helped so much with this film. He is also Jason Voorhees. Kane Hodder was Joe Schumacher's first choice to play Bane. Oh, wow. So awesome. Would have been.
2: Can we at least agree he looked cool, Bane? I like his look over Dark Knight. No, I just, Ryan! I like the luchador look. Ryan, I no! I love Bane's I
0: look like in the Dark Knight. I don't like that mask
2: thing over... No, fuck that. I like the luchador look with the thing. It's the classic Bane look that I enjoy. Everything else about that Bane sucked balls,
0: but... Leo, help me out here.
2: No, uh, I'm, I'm with Ryan on this one. You right? like
0: that look more? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this is the episode David. where David has a
2: connection.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Like at, least, at least that thing looked like physically Im- more imposing than anyone else on screen. Oh,
0: man. Forever unclean. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, next up. This is the first Batman film to not feature one of the big four villains. Uh, from Batman 66, Joker appeared uh, in Batman 89, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Penguin in Batman Returns, Catwoman in Batman Returns, and the Riddler in Batman Forever. So, last two. The movie bears a few striking resemblance to The Dark Knight Rises. First is Talia Agul's taunt that James Gordon has only bought Gotham 11 minutes, which is exactly the same amount of time Mr. Freeze tells Batman his frozen victims have to live. Secondly, huh? Selina Kyle tells Bruce that there is a storm coming, which is also similar to what Mr. Freeze tells his allies. So... Christopher Nolan stole a lot from this. And finally, after the film's negative reception, plans for Tim Burton's Superman Lives were shut down. The movie would have been a first attempt to have a shared universe between Batman and Superman, with George Clooney reprising his role as Batman and Nicolas Cage playing Superman.
1: Oh, my Lord. Wait, this movie killed that movie?
0: Yes. Yes, it did. This movie killed three movies.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Not only killed Batman, it killed Superman, too.
0: <laughs> well, to Batman and Robin's defense, I think the quest for peace killed Superman. But um, yeah, that, that would have been interesting. I mean, we joked about it before, but we were talking about like uh, how we think that it may be, as a kid, it was leading to a shared universe somehow. But that would seem to be the plan. So, final thoughts: Is this is it still a guilty pleasure for you guys, or is it just that bad you never want to watch it again?
2: Guilty pleasure all the way.
1: No, definitely not a guilty pleasure. I still don't really like it. I <sighs> appreciate. It. I still, look, look, like you you successfully have at least it's, not look at this movie as what I want it to be, but more as what it is. But yeah, I still. I'm. You guys heard my list last time. I, this is nowhere near my list of guilty pleasures.
0: Uh, it's still my number one. I think it will always be my number one. Still and my number two. Yeah, I think this movie is wonderfully bad. You guys, if you guys have not seen it or are listening to this podcast, I'm sorry we spoiled everything for you, but you guys need to watch it. The next, now that wraps it up for this week. We got three more weeks of these real backs and I think they're going to get very, very interesting. Next week, we are looking at the 30th anniversary of Goodfellas, that Ryan's favorite movie, right? Or one yeah, of yeah, up there. Yeah. Um, the following week, we are looking at the redheaded stepchild of the Godfather franchise, Godfather Three, the th- on the 30th anniversary as well. And I have a fun fact that I found out in my research regarding a potential Godfather 4 that blew my fucking mind. And then, to kick off May, we are going to look at the 25th anniversary of Kevin Smith's Mallrats. But on top of that, we are going to look at the entire View Askew universe and break down which are our favorites, where we rank them, who we like, who we dislike, and that should be a great, 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 great time. So,
2: until... Someone want to add Kevin Smith and let him know it's just going to be a suck fest with that. Entire Absolutely, hour. we're all going to deep
0: throat <laughs> him, and he's going to money shot all of us. Uh, what was what was you saying, Leo?
1: Dave, when is Jenny coming back?
0: <laughs> Jenny will come back when hell freezes over. Until next week, kids.